Hello and welcome to Agile Adventures with Brian Levy and Jacob Shore, where we explore and debate different ways to improve your team's productivity using agile methodology and just good old common sense. So yeah, so um, so I was reading that Ken Schwaber. I was listening to that Ken Schwaber. Um, uh, Google talks you were talking about, and it did say, he did say that, yeah, people do say that if you have a bunch of really great developers, then Scrum will work. But if you have a really bunch of really bad developers, then it's kind of useless. And he said, no, it's not true. Like Scrum works for really garbage developers as well. You could have a, a bunch of people who know nothing about what they're doing, and you can be sure that they will, in every iteration, they'll give you crap. <laughs> that's right at least you know you're getting crap faster right <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and then he was going and saying like um that he had some sort of like there's some bank and they had this plan that he felt was not a very good plan i'm not gonna get into all the details and they asked if you could use if, if you could if they if they should use scrum and he said i definitely don't think you should use scrum and he's like, they were like very surprised because like he's supposed to be the one selling Scrum. And so he's like, um, so they're like, why don't you think we should do Scrum? It's like, because this is like a career, just, just like, this is like a, hey. this plan is like a career <laughs> destroying plan. Like, uh, you don't want to have your developers have time to figure out that they're on a sinking ship and then get new jobs. <laughs> he's really smart. And he's like, hey, you know what? Scrum is going to give people information. Information about where you are in relation to your goal and information about if your approach that you plan to use is going to work or not. So definitely, if you don't want that information, you don't want your team to know that they're in a sinking ship, yes, don't use Scrum because they'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean... Uh, it, 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 it is sort of true. Like I did notice like in a sprint review, right? Like it was a sprint review that caused the notice. Like we, we have four scrum teams that are all they're doing is patching up holes in a sinking ship. Right. So like, it's, it's there are a lot of teams like that. Yeah. Like it's like, <clears throat> like if all those teams, no one's doing anything but bug fixes. <gasps> We probably we obviously have a problem developing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, okay. what, what teams should be doing with the retros is they should be figuring out why they're causing the bugs <laughs> so they can start yes. doing it. But if they don't do that, um, they will figure out that, hey, you know what? We, uh, this isn't going anywhere because we we'll just keep producing more bugs. Hmm. And that would be really bad. Okay, so one thing I was thinking, and then we'll get to strong scrum artifacts, is that um, <clears throat> one thing I discovered in my uh, in my foray into like uh, yeah, the, you know, figuring out <clears throat> uh, the, these uh, this uh, like 
you know, like where, how, what, how you're getting data from Scrum and it's like, uh, maybe next time, maybe next thing we go through is like either like one of the, uh, like solid or like design patterns or something like that, where we can actually go through and see like, you know, here are, cause like, I find that like, yeah, people know there's a problem and they don't know how to find the problem. Like they don't right. know how to, like, if you know what you're looking for, like, they're like glaring, they're like, you know, <clears throat> glaring at you. Like, right. uh, so yeah, so maybe after we do the scrum guide, we'll do one of those. Cause like, you know, like, um, one thing Solid is, would like, be good. Is, Solid would be a good one. Yeah. That's, I think that's the, that, you know, that's the, uh, it's a good base, you know, base standard. You know, also like the, yeah, or possibly the gang of four, like the design patterns. Uh, but yeah, I guess solid would be the best. Would be, you know, that would be after solid. Yeah. Because um, yeah. like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I re I've recently had the experience of uh, explaining to a uh, to a VP of uh, R and D why um, having log if elif trees in your code is a code smell. <laughs> like I, you know, I did it like a little bit more diplomatically than that, but that's basically all I was saying. Like, uh, <clears throat> you know. So uh, yeah. Anyways, you have one of unreadable trees. They're artifacts. <laughs> yeah, unreadable. So yeah. Sorry, go on. I didn't need to cut you off. I thought you were. Oh no, no, no. Um, I was just about to get into the uh, the Scrum artifacts here and just just start out. You know, it says okay. you know Scrum artifacts <laughs> represent work or value. Oh yeah. Right. And one thing. Just with that statement, I want people to know is that the artifacts represent value, but they aren't really the value. You produce an artifact, and it's really a tool that both you and the stakeholders can use to generate value, but it's not the value itself. The value itself is whatever the customer wants, right? Whatever they feel so like. Value. Well, like the product backlog is not a value, not a, just a value in and of itself. Exactly. Not for a customer, right? No. Yeah, yeah. But the customers do value, they, they value the information of knowing what you're going to build next. So if you show them the, the actual backlog, then they'll get happy and they'll be able to derive value because they'll they'll be able to plan themselves. Yes. I mean they may just be like get happy because you're both deluding yourself instead of just you deluding <laughs> yourself and the customer but yeah. Well I always try to point this thing out because some people think that you can produce stuff and that it's valuable. So it'll keep it under a tree. And it's mm -hmm. like, well no, if you actually produce the product backlog it represents work or value, but that's not the value itself. 
<laughs> yeah, you actually. I feel do. I. I feel like all engineering is like some level of cargo cult. <laughs> You know, like, uh, like there's always there's always some idiot out there who's like, yes, we've done it, we made a backlog. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Make a list. Yep, that'll make the world better. That'll solve world hunger. Yeah, like. <laughs> I feel like it's like the same person who gets inspired by those like cheap like corporate inspirational posters in the rec room, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're like the same guy. Like, the guy who's like, "We've done it, guys. Let's all pat ourselves in the back for making a backlog." <laughs> Anyways, uh, okay, but fine. But it, it's kind of highlighted in the next sentence. It says they are designed yeah. to maximize transparency of key information, and it's like you can produce stuff but if you aren't like transparent with it you aren't sharing it we aren't really using it to gather information to help transparency it doesn't really help anything <laughs> right no it's just not nope. <laughs> yeah okay so the next line no. says thus everyone inspecting them has the same basis for adaptation and again we talked earlier about you're supposed to have some goal. Scrum is built on this, some goal that you're trying to attain. So here's here's what we want. Then we look at what we actually created. And then you can actually examine and look for gaps between what you want, the goal, and what exists. Right. And again, you have you have to have enough information to do that inspection. If you don't. It's kind of pointless. Yes. So the, the backlogs, you know, we're gonna go through the uh, the artifacts, but the backlogs represent the goals that you want to accomplish, the future desired state, the value, the work, and then the product increment is here's where we are right now. Here's our current state, and that's how you can do your inspections. So it further goes on to say each artifact contains a commitment to ensure it provides information that enhances transparency and focus against which progress can be measured. So again, I'm trying to, to measure how much closer I'm getting to the goal. For the product backlog, it is the product goal. So the commitment, we should have a product goal. Here's what we're trying to attain, right? And the product goal should be in the in the the first thing in the product backlog, right? Yeah. The in in the sprint backlog, you should have a sprint goal. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. That's a value for the sprint. And then yeah. for the increment, it says it's the definition of done. So I should have a definition of done that I compare this the product increment to. So this is a um, excuse me. This is a um, definition of a done scoped to the increment. It's not your general definition of done, right? No, it, it is a general definition of done. 
and so the, the reason so for the increment you have like a general definition of done and then you say did we reach our goals as defined by the general effort, by the definition of done correct and the reason for yeah, that yeah, they, well so the example i like to use with this is um i came from a military family and mm -hmm. i was taught raised you're always on time punctuality is everything mm -hmm. and then i got married and i recognized that the definition of done that i had was different from my wife's definition of done so okay we're going somewhere and we're like hey this the place we're, the restaurant we're going to is a half hour away our reservation is for 7 30. So we need to be in the car and leaving by seven o'clock so you can be there by 7.30, right? So being done with getting ready was being in the car for me, being in the car at seven o'clock. So I check up with my family, my wife and my daughter, and I say, are, are, we, are we getting, are we ready? And they say, yeah, we're ready, right? We're done getting ready. Right. Except that I need to grab my lipstick, my purse, put my shoes on, and do all the other stuff. And all the other stuff that they had to do took like another 15 minutes. So we weren't in the car pulling off until 7:15. So we're always late. Okay. This is what the restaurant reservation is the definition of done, right? Like Hey, the, rest, the reservation for 7.30, <laughs> right? So we're wow. going to get there at 6.40, I mean, 7.45, uh -huh. we'll miss it. And uh -huh. California is like, they're like, oh, sorry, your spot's gone. I'll let you know when there's another opening. But, but so oh. the thing is, Well, then really your wife's definition of done doesn't really make a difference in that case, no? Well, we need, if you're, when you're working with multiple teams, multiple people, we need to have the same definition of done because the work that it takes to get from one person's definition to the standard definition, it could be 15 minutes, could be an hour, could be a week. So if we're not in sync on that definition of done, there's more time and effort that's required that we may not have actually estimated. That makes a difference for coordination. So you got to have the same definition of done, and we wanted to meet it, right? Don't don't tell me you're done until you've met that definition, because if you don't meet that definition, I'll think that we're on schedule, and we can actually meet customers' expectations. But like in this case, with my wife. Turns out that we weren't on schedule. We we're actually going to be late. Turns out we're and going I, to the In-N-Out Burger. That's right. No more of that. That's the succulent steak and lobster yeah. we were planning on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal for a for product team. So yeah, you know what? That's why that definition. Just go to the In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> and 
what what turns out to happen is that when we don't use a common definition of done between different teams and they coordinate, um, you miss the release schedule because there's more coordination work that needs to get done. Okay. Yeah, so it's, the, these commitments exist to reinforce empiricism and scrum values of the scrum team. And there, I don't know why they left out scrum stakeholders, but you know, stakeholders. Because <laughs> they had scrum for everything else, right? <laughs> the scrum values for the scrum team and their scrum stakeholders. You know, that's what I would have done. Why would I, why would you? <clears throat> Why wouldn't you modify stakeholders to be scrum stakeholders? I would have also put a TM next to each one of them, but that's just me. Uh, all right, then I wouldn't do that. I'm mocking them. Okay, product backlog. <laughs> product backlog is an emergent ordered list of what is needed to improve the product. It is a single source of work undertaken by the scrum team. Most people mess this up because they have a new product development list. And then they may have another list that is a bug list, defects. Then they may have another list that's like a security update list. Another list for uh, you know all those other stuff they want done. Requests from other departments. Releases, um, pen testing, all those yeah. random stuff. But, it's, but then how do you know what order to do things in? Because we should maximize the value of the product by doing the most important stuff first. Yeah. We got 12 lists. <laughs> we yeah. probably aren't prioritizing the most important stuff. Yeah. It's dawning on me that we go through the scrub guide and every sentence, every every paragraph is most places mess this one up. Yep. But uh, yeah. It's the easiest thing to do, one order list. But because companies yeah. haven't done it in the past, no one can conceive of making one order list. And no one wants to do the work. Like the, you had one job, you had one job. <laughs> no one wants to do the work. Cause it takes some thought to figure out what's most important. Yeah, not as much thought as it does to actually do stuff in aimlessly, but you know, still. Okay, product pack live items that can be done by the scrum team TM within one sprint are deemed, ready, are deemed ready for selection in a sprint planning event. They usually acquire, they usually acquire this degree of transparency after refining activity. Product factory refinement is the act of breaking down and fully defining the backlog items into smaller, more precise items. This is an ongoing activity to add details such as description, order, and size. Attributes often vary within with the domain of work. So yeah, so I have this thing where yeah, a lot of times you get product backlog, and you have a bunch of tickets that aren't clear, and then you say, well, this ticket isn't clear, 
And they say, what do you mean it's not clear? I meant X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and X, Y, Z, and it's clear as day. And they move on to the next ticket. And it's not like they put that in the ticket, they just explain to you what they wanted in the ticket, and now they think it's clear, even though that's not clear. And then you have to, like, I, re I, I remember asking questions on tickets and like in the comment section on Jira tickets and getting back, um, don't you remember we spoke about this in backlog refinement? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of these things where like, if you don't update the actual I part of backlog item with the information that you learned from Jeremy. And then you don't, if you don't do it immediately, people are going to forget. And the whole point of backlog refinement, Jeremy, is to make sure everyone knows the details of what's expected so they can actually just start developing. Yeah. If you got to ask a whole bunch of questions, you kind of haven't done the work. Yeah, so this thing that says that they're done, they're deemed ready, that the things that you do in the sprint planning are the ones that are deemed ready. And how are they deemed ready? Right. Well, they're, 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 they acquire this degree of transparency after refining activity. Now, this doesn't mean refining the team. It means refining the tickets. <laughs> right? It doesn't mean educating the team as to what you meant by this ticket, it means fixing the ticket so it says what the heck it wants. Yeah, it, I, I think that, you know. I interpret it. I mean, could be I'm just, you know. Well, so there's this nirvana. That the, the nirvana is when you got a stakeholder group and a development team that are so tight that we can just meet and talk things through every day. And we're actually giving feedback every day. Like that's Nirvana, that's what we want. Unfortunately, most often, we talked about the product owner role last time, last week, most product owners don't connect their teams to the customers. So we don't live in that environment where a developer can actually talk and get feedback from a stakeholder on a daily basis. And if you don't live in that world, you gotta update the, the ticket. Now, it'll be great if you live in that world. If you make it so you can live in that world and we're talking every day, then you don't have to update the ticket, <laughs> right? You can just talk through it. I, I, don't, I don't even think that's true because I think tickets also serve as, um, as reference to what was done. Like at some point, everyone's gonna forget what happened. And the only way you're gonna know what, whether or not something is done is what's in the ticket. But you should be able to use your test results, right? Yes. But if, yeah, yeah. if you don't actually document I mean, that stuff either. <laughs> the test results are what you did, not what was expected. Right, like, meaning like, yes, uh, assuming you understood the ticket and did it properly, 
which you didn't. I mean, like, this is like, there's assuming for argument's sake, like you didn't do it properly. You didn't fully understand everything that needs to be the ticket. You didn't, you didn't, 99% of the time you had, you didn't uh, implement it perfectly as was intended by the person who wrote it. But let's assume like that this. you did, right? So, mm -hmm. so then yes, you could, if you, if you assume that, you could take the test, and assuming that you have 100% test coverage, which you should have, a little more than, I mean, you know, like 100% of quality test coverage, like, uh, then yes, you could go to look at the test and you'll know what it is that was done. But if you miss anything in the, if you miss anything in that ticket, uh, yeah, then your test is just going to show that you misunderstand that you implemented your misunderstanding properly. Right, but just do me a favor, humor me for one second. Let's go to the agilemanifesto.org page. Which is three viewers out there at www.agilemanifesto.org. I feel like this is going to be faster. Let me typing it. All right. It probably will. So look at that. The third value. Customer collaboration over contract negotiation. And I want to delve into what this really means. Right. That one of the reasons we want this daily contact between the stakeholders and the development team is because me as a, uh, say I'm a, uh, I'm a stakeholder, I'm a customer. And I wrote down that peanut butter and jelly machine maker should work off of one button. You hit one button, get the sandwich. Yeah. And, but I didn't think through this thing correctly. Because, yeah, we got options for, for different butters. I can use peanut butter, but then I can also use um, sunflower butter, sunflower seed butter, or okay, almond Okay, so one press is peanut butter and two presses is sunflower. I can work it out. Right. And we want the type of environment where if I made a mistake, um and i we recognize it if you demonstrate it you build something i can look at it see it it's not going to fly in the marketplace right it's, yeah yeah development team you can say you did your job you did what was in the ticket but if it's not going to fly in the marketplace you can't make money off of it you got to change it nonetheless and you can give me an i told you so Say it wasn't your fault. Oh, oh, yeah, I agree with this. I agree with this. I thought that my point is just that the product team will not know what was what was uh, done based on your test. They'll only they'll, they'll only know that whatever you think you're supposed to do, you did. I'm not saying Correct. that. Yeah, but that's what that was. That was my whole point. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think I said it better now than I said it before, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, like if you messed up, 
the fact that, if it, that you have a ticket doesn't mean anything. But if the fact if the ticket's right. bad, the ticket's bad. The, the point I'm saying is, is like the, the like, yeah, the stakeholders are not going to know what that that you did this stupid thing from the fact that you have tests that test the stupid thing, and then yeah, assure you that you did do the stupid thing. <laughs> and really, we don't want them figuring out from looking inside of a tool. We want them to figure it out from looking at this, the review. Let's see what we actually did. And something needs to change. Let's just agree to change it, right? Uh, okay, and, I hear. I mean, that seems like... Uh, crap. It seems like common sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's a kind but of it's a crapshoot, this- like... Like, uh, yeah, if you, if, unless you're totally 100% off, then uh, you're not, a lot of things are going to not get catch your view. You know, you're going to catch it in uh, production. Well, so that's if you're, you're if you review, then you'll catch it in production. If you review what? You broke off your review. If, if your review sucks, so you're not reviewing either the real something that's going to be exactly like what's in production, right? Because uh, the yeah, whole idea okay. of the review is to look at this thing before the rest of the rest of the customers, you know, before it releases to production. Okay, so do we not believe in agile and? Like, uh, what's it called? Uh, like, um, planned redundancy in these texting and this, te- this quality assurance. Like, do not believe in, like, is that is this like a uh, value thing here? Like, where, yeah, if we if we should test it here, then that's how we should test it, and we shouldn't bother making sure that this is the case somewhere else. No, no. I, I I think we do believe in that. I think, but I think the expectation is that um, we catch most of the discrepancies, if not all, in the review, rather than customers getting pissed off and catching it in production. We 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 have a yeah. strong value of not making unsuspecting customers your QA team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're not, I mean, listen, you're, you're, you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna get arguments from me, you know. Like, I mean, as much as I like pulling pranks on your customers, you know, I realize it's just <laughs> it's just my own sadistic tendencies and not a core value. <laughs> but the, you know, again, the but to your point, the it is extremely helpful to have. Um, acceptance criteria to even have um, all the way down to I, I have my teams put in test scenarios inside of the description and they do that in grooming because if you know that 35 to 55 percent of the work for a story is tests if you don't actually think about that work then you could be 55, uh, 35 to 55% off. And then like, I work with a team where um, this is just recently, we wrote down the numbers. 
So they gave an estimate of what they thought the work was worth. And then we actually did the work and captured the actuals and compared it to the story points. And this is before they started writing down the scenarios. And you can see they were 50% off. You know, literally you could double their estimates and that's what the work really, the actuals were turning out to me. Because and, of the test. Yeah, it, it, you know, logically a test represents 35 to 55% of the work. Most cases it's 50%. <laughs> so you didn't estimate half the work. Then of course your estimates are gonna be like, 50% off, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so, again, you really want to make sure that you're covering all of your bases when you document the descriptions inside of the, um, the backlog so that you're really estimating what the work really is so it's realistic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Really important. Okay. So afterward, it says that developers who will be doing the work are responsible for siting. So Scrum believes that the people that do the work know the most about it, so they should be developing the estimate. Other teams okay, sometimes yeah. they'll have like a manager who's responsible for giving estimates, and. If they're, they're if they're doing they're not doing the work this person is just estimating then lots of times it's not actually helpful to have that person do an estimate because they're going to be off i have another client who's in that situation right now where they have a person who's in charge of estimating and that person's not doing the work and his estimates are like 70% off of what it should be. Because he doesn't know how the code is built. So you can't give it that get a great estimate. And it's like, hey, you guys have to stop that practice. Have the people that are doing yeah. the work, have them do the estimate. Yeah, I know this. I've, I've experienced this also. It's like, oh, like, what do you, what's the point of having a 70% off estimate? Like, right. <laughs> uh, you might as well just be doing divinations for the entrails of a goat or something. <laughs> it, it, I can tell you that it didn't help them build good software. <laughs> uh -huh. no. it's, it's how the people who are doing the work to it. But, but look at this next part. The last, the, la the last sentence highlighted, the product owner may influence the developers by helping them understand and select trade-offs. This is super important. Yeah. Often, the product owner and management may not be happy with the, the estimation. And it's like, hey, if you're not happy with that, make a decision. There's, there's, if the estimate is higher than you want it, then there's certain characteristics that we've built in and you need to examine whether or not all those characteristics are necessary. You want a smaller estimate, take something off the table. Right? We need to have dialogue in order to make those trade-offs. There are people who just like wanna wanna sound like they can do like they just have an ego, so they say they can do something in X amount of time. And then uh, yeah, they this this then you never get to the conversation of like what actually is tra what trade-off should actually be. 
Right. And then, and then you make up making your own trade offs instead of them deciding what they want to trade. You, you might as well just have it out, right? Yes. Commitment, product goal. Commit. Okay, what happened here? What is this? Yeah, we're, we're still talking about the, uh, the product backlog. But remember, the first thing in the product backlog should be the product goal. Right. Oh, oh, I That's see. The product says so, so each one has a, okay, fine. I see. Okay, fine. The formatting is a little confusing, but yeah, okay. So the commitment, so we just explained what the product is, and now we're going to explain what the product backlog commitment is, okay, which is the product goal. Correct. That's correct. Okay. And it says, the product goal. This is, this is, yeah. Yeah, keep, Go keep going. It's, this is deep. The product goal describes the future state of the product, which can serve as a target for the Scrum team to plan against. The product goal is in the product backlog. The rest of the product backlog emerges to define what will fulfill the product goal. So you have a goal, you put, you put uh, backlog items into your sprint according to the goal, not the other way around. Correct. Yes. Which most people do it the other way around. <laughs> Reminds me of the uh, there's a there's a somebody named uh, the, the there was a certain uh, preacher it's like a Jewish preacher the pre a Jewish pre the word for Jewish preacher is a magid. There's like a Dubner magid, the magid of the, from the town of Dubno in White Russia. And uh, they asked him like, how, so he used to speak in parables. So he said, uh, they asked him like, how do you always like, so I guess he used to like pass these stories off as like real stories until he let the cat out of the bag or something, I don't know. They asked him like, how do you get, uh, how do you always get such a, such a perfect story? So he said like, there was, they said there's once a, a guy was walking in the forest and he sees like, a bunch of arrows and a bunch of like, they're all like in a bullseye of a target. And he goes and he sees the, he sees the kid shooting arrows and he's like, how do you get to be so good? So the guy said, well, you know, most people are stupid. Most people like draw the air, draw the target and then they shoot the arrow. What I do is I, I shoot the arrow and then I draw the target around it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so you know, like that's that's kind of like uh, what happens when you uh, define your uh, when you define your product goal based on what you happen to put into the sprint. <laughs> uh, but the the trouble with it is that if you don't do it from the top down, then you, you you'll miss alignment, right? Because and I have trouble with this, the teams I work with, they'll, they'll want to do stuff, but the stuff they want to do isn't the hard stuff. It isn't the most essential stuff. It's the stuff that they're skilled in and they just enjoy doing. But that may not be what's necessary, hmm. right? And what you want to do is like, let's figure out what's necessary because what Scrum is all about. 
do the stuff that's necessary and the stuff that you're planning to do that isn't necessary, take that stuff out. That's how you yeah. get it I think the real problem, yeah, the, the, the real deep problem with that is that they want to do things that are, they want to do things they're already good at. Right. Exactly. Like, what the heck is the point of that? <laughs> it makes them feel better, yeah. but it's like, uh, can't be about you. At some point, it's got to be about the, the customers. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, now let's do this quote, which I don't know where the, we're quoting from. I don't know if the news is supposed to be emphasized. I don't know what this. A product is a vehicle to deliver value. It has clear a clear boundary, known stakeholders, well-defined users, users or customer. A product could be a service, a physical product, or something more abstract. Okay. The product. And I, I don't. I don't think that's a, a quote. I think it's just a highlighting how important it is. The people think that the value. We talked about this in the beginning of the, of the program. People think that the value is the output that they're creating, the features, right? And it's like no. All the all the, all the features do is help transfer that value. It helps to create the, uh, the stakeholders to create that value themselves. But your your feature itself may not be value, valuable in itself, right? Yeah. It could be you gotta think about what's valuable for the stakeholder. Yeah. Right. In fact, it's more than likely that what you're doing is a waste of time. If you haven't, uh, actually uh, figured out what how it's a product to deliver value. Absolutely. And the, the product owner should think about that, um, study it, and then relay that information to the team. Just okay. Deep thoughts, right? Now, okay. look at this next sentence. The product goal is a long-term objective for the scrum team. They must fulfill or abandon one objective before taking on the next. It's the old, old maxim your mom used to say, finish one thing before you start another one. <laughs> My mother never told that to me. For some, <laughs> for some reason, lots of teams decide to work on five things at once. The problem with that, well, is if you don't finish one thing, you don't get the value out, right? So your customers are gonna wait five times as long before they get anything. When you're trying to look at that. Yeah. So the scrum guy is saying, hey, hurry up and get the customer some value. Finish one thing, then do the next one. Yeah. What do you think about that? See well, I feel like your mother must have not been Jewish because they were, your mother would never tell my mother would never lady. tell me. Yeah, I'm saying you know, but still, like, because they would never say finish finish one thing before you start the next thing. They would say you never focus on anything. Why can't you finish one thing before starting the next thing? But uh, other than that, yeah, I agree with what you said. <laughs> 
But we've done something surprising today. For me, I, I thought that we were gonna rip through this whole uh, artifact section, but we've only got through one artifact so far. The show's over. I didn't and we know got that. two more to go. <laughs> what do you think? We, we, we try to finish up the other two today, or do we postpone it and uh, do the next two in the next episode? That's the thing about that. That's what I was saying. Like uh, when we started this, right? You're like, well, it was only like 15 pages. I'm like, no, they're like pretty dead pages. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, uh, there's, there's a lot to clarify here. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, let's start with Sprint Backlog uh, next time. I was going to say, folks, let, let us know if you're enjoying this series and uh, we appreciate your feedback. Yes. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to figure out how to, how to, how to, yeah, how to, how to accept feedback because I don't know. We, we go on several platforms, but yeah, but we'll, we'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely work on it once I can stop 